now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, Din and Grogu travel to Tython to seek out a Jedi, but little do they know that an old enemy, Finnick Shand, is waiting for them with the man, the legend, the hotness himself, Boba Fett. There will be the worst possible thing ever because the Razor Crest is gone, but we're also going to be discussing a lot of Bonnick. We are talking about the Mandalorian episode, The Tragedy, this week. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing no good. No one cares about- because we have not one, not two, but three guests on the show with us. Returning to J Guys and Jedi is fellow Geeky Waffle writer, editor for Collider, and host of Space Waffles, Arzu Amin. Next, we, she is the host of another Waffles podcast, Starbucks Lover, a Taylor Swift podcast, and the lead news editor for Collider, Maggie Lovett. And finally, the third is a contributor to the Geeky Waffles and one of the hosts of Followers of the Force, Hannah. Hello, everyone! Hello! Hello! Hi. I'm so happy to have you all here! Oh, excited <laughs> to revisit my bonic brain rot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, listeners, I'm just like, I've been waiting for this episode because I knew this would be like the Bonic Roundtable. And I'm just going to sit back and like with my vape and my chocolate, I'm going to be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I like to ask questions for whenever we have guests on the show, just so our listeners can get to know you guys a little bit. Um, first of all, Tell us about yourself and your shows and like some of the cool stuff you, that you do. So let's start with Hannah. Oh, bud, you put me on the spot. I'm so excited. Let's start I with not first. Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The school brain. It's killing me right now. No, I can go first. It's fine. Everyone else will just sound really awesome compared to me after I just like fall flat on my face doing I, this. I just want you guys to know that Hannah is training to be a, an EMT, correct? Yes. So that is awesome in its own right. So I don't want to hear about all the other awesome stuff because you are training, learning how to save people's lives. So shut up. You're awesome. And if you see oh, her you videos go. of her in the gym, like Hannah could bench press me. <laughs> she has posted the weights she can bench press and it's more than I weigh. So <laughs> Hannah's awesome. I don't want to hear about it. Please introduce uh- yourself. Oh God, you're too sweet. All right, that's it. That's all I do. I just go to. I'm just a gym nut, and just I go to my job. That's the only social life I ever have nowadays. No. Um. So I am a co-host for the Followers of the Force. Unfortunately, because of um, recent classes and whatnot, I've had to step away for a little bit. But my wonderful co-hosts do everything from starting uh, fundraisers for um, most recently it was um, what choice for uh, different uh, abortion care providers in 
the U.S. And that was just a super cool thing to get to be even a small bit of a part of. Um, but they have weekly shows on Fridays and Saturdays, as well as uh, interviews throughout the year for various creators, fans, and all sorts of often aficionados. Whew, words are hard to say. Um, for Star Wars, and I'm just I just love everything they've been doing, and can't wait to get back to it. Uh, so just, but just to clarify, because you said they have shows on Fridays and stuff, do you mean on YouTube? Uh, they record um, episodes called Wor- World Between worlds on friday and that releases as its own thing on monday and then saturdays they uh have a youtube live so that was my fault for not clarifying uh what that was i'm here for i got you baby uh but yeah so that is what i do and then occasionally if the mood strikes and the obsession strikes and the words come i sometimes contribute to the geeky waffle just to and i'm very grateful that i get to yell and scream about things that i'm obsessed with so yeah maggie you're our other new person um rz's old hat it's fine we're <laughs> over rz wow. oh, no, never no. but uh maggie you're our other new guest so why don't you introduce yourself oh i feel like i'm i've been put on the spot even though i had time to prepare but hannah is just so fascinating i was compelled to listen you know um i am like so much up my ass I can't deal with it today <laughs> this is actually a podcast just to like boost up your self-esteem tonight um surprise surprise <laughs> um, so I I edit mostly now I don't do as much writing as I, I was previously but uh, I'm over at Collider and that's like my main gig and I did get to just recently interview Beth Rivas about the scoundrel the princess and the scoundrel which was really great I uh, really enjoyed doing that and then I have my lovely Taylor Swift podcast over at uh, the Geeky Waffle where we go through Taylor Swift's entire uh, discography is starting from the beginning and I am trying to decide if I want to cheat and actually just dive headfirst into midnight which is coming out soon uh, so cannot wait to get myself some new music to cry over Star Wars ships over yay that's awesome and then Arzu I do love you I was joking so please uh Remind listeners, because you have been here before, of all the cool stuff that you do. So I host Space Waffles on the Geeky Waffle Network, and I am the managing editor of the site, which usually means I get all my friends to write for the site, and I get to write book reviews, which I love, and TV reviews and stuff. And That's for um, the Geeky Waffle, just that's the ge- That's all the Geeky Waffle. And then I also more edit than write, like Maggie, over at Collider. Uh, on the same team, Maggie is the kind of uh, superstar lead that I think everybody wants in their corner. Mm-hmm. And we have I a try. really good team. We have a great <laughs> we little, uh, we have a great our, team. So. We have our little cousins. Yeah. So it's it's a great time. Very, very lucky that what I do for work intersects so nicely with what I enjoy in my spare time. Arzu trapped me in the waffles and I never escaped. <laughs> that you know i i'm the same way like i like to trap my friends and things and be like you're stuck now <laughs> you're here well i mean is this not what everybody milk. dreamed about as a kid to like get their yes. friends to like hang out with them all day yes even doing grown yes. up stuff like we're living the dream that's how i we see really it really made it happen yeah 
So the reason I wanted you guys on this episode was for two very different reasons. One, um, and also please correct me am I wrong, because I could just be misremembering it. Um, if I remember correctly, all of us, like me and Chris included, were just kind of like okay with Boba Fett, but this episode would like made us love him. Is that correct? Yes. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. This, this is the- also the the episode that birthed Bonnick and all of us. Being yeah. Like, so like we shipped that, right? Like yeah, yeah. There's something That's- happening here. I think Bonnick? I texted. Bonnick? I texted uh, Maggie and Hannah separately the morning that this came out, and I'm like, two things. One, he's hot now with a question mark, and two, so they're fucking right. <laughs> that was these that were was these were my sole thoughts day. first thing in the morning. The well, really she, important. She sort of walks right thoughts. out and goes like, "Check out my mechanical super womb that <laughs> this guy gave me." <laughs> it felt like an old painting or something, or some surrealist thing where like, like look the mechanical womb, you know, just the way she sort of like, just like check it out. She could have just said, "Yeah, he saved my life," but like, instead she walked out <laughs> and said, "This man rearranged my organs." Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was so, just so welcome to Jay Guys Jedi. There was just so much happening that day because I got that from Arzu. I watched the episode and I'm like Boba Fett, like with a question mark, and then Bonic. I'm like, this is the ship I didn't know I needed nor expected, and I'm just all sorts of like, I need to like rethink my entire look on life. Like there was just so much happening that day. So just so our listeners know, Bonic is the Boba Fett and Finnick Shand ship. Just to clarify, and hmm, do I want to do this now or let you guys just go buck wild later? Hmm. <laughs> I do have a funny thing to say. Oh, go for it. This was the episode where a ship was born as another ship went boom. But oh, hey! oh, <laughs> so you're Don't... off the show now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. <laughs> I'll be you know quiet what? now. I <laughs> don't think so. that was great. I, Keep going. Both, both the joke and in the moment, it was very, very funny. It was. Very I don't funny. know why I laughed so hard when the Razor Crest blew up. I think it's because of the HasLab campaign that was going on right before. When they're like, yeah, we funded it. They're making the Razor Crest. And not 48 hours later, it went boom on the show. And I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I think I'm going to let you guys go off on Bonnick a little bit, just so, um, a little bit later, because I think that would be a nice, like, in-treat for when we get to the the final notes. The are, are we all cool with that? The dessert. Are you guys cool with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, listeners, we are going to be doing things a little bit different this time. Um, we are still going to do the normal background information. Yoda is still here. But instead of breaking this episode up into the, our normal three-act structure, because we have extra guests with us, we'd be here hours, and we're not doing that. So we are just going to have a roundtable to discuss the episode as a whole. And it will just be one fun, long recap, and then we're just going to go buck crazy. And you guys can't stop me, because this is my podcast. So <laughs> just Nor would we want to. Just Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze just shows up at my door and he's like, no. 
<laughs> Hope no. I'm here to stop you. Well, he's actually going to be close to me. Hope I'm actually. Stop it. He's actually going to be visiting relatively close to me. I'm going to see if we need to have lunch together and meet up with a listener. I'm actually kind of excited about that if he'll ever get back to me. Um, anyway, you guys ready to get into this episode? Let's do it. Whoop, whoop. Chris? Yes, I okay. am ready. You should say no, you're not. But then, I mean, anyway. Chapter 14, The Tragedy, okay. is the 14th episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on December 4th, 2020, and it was written by John Favreau and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez would go on to be the executive producer for and direct three episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. Some extra information for you. While showing off his chain code, it shows that Boba's mentor is someone named Jaste, 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 J-A-S-T-E. The name is partially obscured, so it doesn't show the person's full name. But in the Star Wars Legends continuity, Jango Fett's mentor was a journeyman uh, protector, Jaster Morell. I didn't practice this, (laughs) it's fine, who first appeared in flashbacks in the comic Jango Fett, open season number one. The term Tython originates from the second draft of what would become Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope. The first canon appearance of Tython was in the 2019 comic Doctor Aphra number 40, though the planet has been in Legends 2. This planet has deep roots in the Jedi Order, to where some Jedi scholars argued it was the first temple. Of course, that was Octo. But the planet was abandoned after hyperspace hyperspace roots moved away from it, though many secrets of the Jedi still linger there. The planet has appeared or has been mentioned in the High Republic era, the original trilogy era, and most recently in the sequel trilogy era book Shadow of the Sith, where Luke Skywalker visited Tython to meditate on a seeing stone. He saw himself on Exegol battling nine wraiths and was visited by his father Anakin Skywalker. And finally, since the Razor Crest is no more, thanks, Maggie. <laughs> so, <laughs> here are some facts. I actually really like this. Yes, I personally blew it up. Uh, <laughs> I was on set that day, totally. I, I was like, yeah, we're going to blow this thing up. This shit so you won, no. won the sweepstakes. You're like, you're Din like... needs a new car, and he's not going to take the initiative to buy it himself. I was like, yeah. I like my men with emotional damage, so blow up that fucking house. <laughs> Oh my god, Den would actually be a person to be like, the head ca- gas gets busted, and we're overheating. We're fine. <laughs> that is some duct tape from under the seat. Like, let's go. That is him. Uh, Razorcrest facts. The craft was first conceived by John Favreau and was designed by Lucasfilm veteran concept artist Ryan Church. Favreau's design brief was the A-10 Thunderbolt Warthog, a post-World War II plane that was created was them. <laughs> Ah, that was created and served in the Gulf War. The Razor Crest was created as both a practical and computer-generated models, and the designer crew was inspired by World War II plane aesthetics, military-style ar- uh, aircrafts, and derelict planes seen in airport graveyards. I like that last one because I feel like they were just driving past. They're like, that's a busted-up, rusted plane. That's the himbo ship. When I, <laughs> when I was a kid, there were the, those... Um... Warthogs used to fly around the army base near our yeah. house, and they had they had machine cannons on them, and that's mm-hmm. why they called them warthogs because they 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 didn't sound like warthogs as much as like Godzilla coming over the horizon. <laughs> yeah. we'd, mm-hmm. we'd be like waiting for the school bus, and we would hear this just like. They're really it, loud. It was mm-hmm. the, it was the sound of like five hundred cannon shells being shot off so i guess it's appropriate that 
that he used it. I also oh. realized I, I missed the opportunity to be funny and to quote Kylo Ren with, you know, shoot that ship out of the sky. Yes. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Chris, you can't see the dancing I'm doing in my chair, but Kylo. I, I did that for you specifically, Arzu. <laughs> Thank you. Chris, if you can, please put that clip right here, if you can. If not, listeners, just pretend it's there. <laughs> like, you guys know the moment. You all are people of class and taste. I don't know. There's there's no clips on on the internet anywhere that I could find that in any way. <laughs> so, I'll try. I'll try. Wink, I'll, wink. <laughs> I'll scour the internet, and I'll... I, I have people that I can contact to get just, clips. Just rip it off of YouTube. I mean, I bet Honda will hook you up. I don't know. It might, it'll be there. Maybe it won't. I don't know what... I don't know. It's, it's kind of an obscure movie, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll it's see. not like it's we'll coming see. up on its five-year anniversary or anything. It's not like it's trending as we're recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, Ryan Johnson is such a small-time name. Who? Is he that guy? Oh, the, that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that guy? That guy. Oh. He did some little project. Like, yeah, I heard he was doing like some tiny little project with this guy named Daniel Craig. No idea who they are. They sound like donuts. What's <laughs> it? <laughs> donuts! <laughs> All right. So, ladies... <laughs> Here is your complimentary spray bottle. You each get one. I'm currently mimicking giving you all spray bottles. And this is for our third podcaster who's coming in right now. And if he gets to be too much, you just do this to him. Hey, Yoda. Uh, Oh, wait, put your spray bottles. I mean you no harm. (laughs) (laughs) See, it works. (laughs) It helps. So, Yoda, we have a guest. Please behave. Hello. You guys Where's can talk Mom? to Yoda. He's... I mean, he's always slightly cringy. Actually, he's a lot cringy. What, what is cringy? You, it means you're so great at life, Yoda. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yoda's always very cringy. Yes, cringe master Yoda. You I are. I don't remember if I exercised my spray bottle privileges last time I was here. I don't remember. I don't think you did. I don't. Mm, maybe today's the day. Everybody mm. sprays Yoda. Mm. Yeah. So people like to just to do it for fun, just to have the power. Mm, do not spray <laughs> the cringe master. Mm. I'm just gonna spray. I'm spraying yeah. just for shits and giggles. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> cringe at you all. Don't get your cringe on them. They're all nice people. <laughs> Yoda's going to get his cringe on. Just you wait. Yoda's going to cringe, cringe like crazy any minute now. So this is the man who decided that he wanted to be, you know, those fish that like swim with sharks and they suck all the parasites off them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He decided that he wanted that job for Mama the Hut. Mmm, hot remora. (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, listen. No, I don't know how to. I can't. I can't just find Mama the Hut. I was really gonna try for a second, but Yoda has no shame about it. Oh, we can we can tell. Very very yeah. common in the galaxy. You haven't seen him in the speedo yet. Yeah, Yoda Yoda has a banana hammock. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, space, all right, all right. Space banana hammock. So I'm I'm gonna oh questions. 
I got a question for you, Yoda. A question for Yoda, yes. Yes, for my very wise cringe Wise answers from Yoda. Yes, very. You yes. ready? Cringe answers from the master. So, Yoda, this week something horrible happened. Grogu lost his home on the Razor Crest. Isn't that sad? Oh, did his ship blow up? Oh. Yoda, he lost his home. A, a, a secret do you want to hear? Oh my god. No. When 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 Grogu on the seeing stone he was? Uh-huh. Called Yoda first. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yoda was there by his phone too, but you know what? Right to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not sad that he lost his home and he got captured by Gideon and now he's trapped? No, no. You know what? He works very he works very hard on this set. I've never seen you bring in donuts while we've been filming. Oh, he Yoda, works very come hard. Help me, Yoda! Come help me! Stuck with this dumb guy, I am. You know what? This Yoda, is why we took away your health care. He's, he's not very smart. He said, "You must help me now." And Yoda just said, <laughs> "Beep." Can, can I have one of your Skywalker will get it or Here, we'll pick on. All right. Hey, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. That little asshole. <laughs> He'll just talk all night if you if you don't spray him down. Oh, so gross. You remember the when way he, he was going with that? I thought he was going to say he blew up the Razor Crest. Me too. I got scared for a second. He's <laughs> tricky about. He doesn't like to, you know. Yeah, he he won't come out and say it, but he probably did. He probably possessed Gideon with his little force ghost and got his slime all... That's why Gideon's so, like, mean is because he has Yoda's spirit inside of him. Asshole. Yeah, you... you I could say things, and I'm choosing not to. <laughs> no, do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! <laughs> Speak your mind. About you, you know it to be the not truth. something I want to do on Tuesday night. <laughs> well. All right. Oh, I've been prepared for this. I had to recap the entire episode in one go. Mm. We believe in you. You've Feel got this. Oh, <clears throat> oh, she's she's done. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, feel, like I said, feel free to laugh. It helps my ego. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys want to jump in with comments, feel free to. When we when we get more set up, we'll have a we'll have a laugh button that'll come up on the on the screen that you know, like an old TV show. Or we'll no. just get uh, we'll just get laugh tracks, hope. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone ready? Yep. So last week, Himbo and Son went to a planet and they were like, we're going to find a Jedi. Well, a little recap of last week, by the way, everybody. Um, and they find Ahsoka fucking Tano. And Ahsoka's just like, hey. And Din's like, are you a Jedi? And she's like, it's complicated. Uh, I can't train your son. And he's like, why not? And he's the bestest boy. And Ahsoka's like, all right, there's lots of reasons that we don't have time to get into. But go to Tython and he can call somebody on a seeing stone. And Din's like, that sounds bullshitty. But I don't have to give up my child yet. So we're going to do that. On to this week. So Himbo and Son 
are flying and they are bonding over their emotional support ball. And Den's just like, hey, Grogu. And Grogu's like, yeah? He's like, oh, we can talk now. Oh. <laughs> and Den is like, super emotional because he like his kid has the force and he's like i suck i can't train you i'm just some shitty asshole i murder people and grogu's like i've murdered probably way more than you probably but okay and he intends like you're so powerful and i can't train you and i'm gonna get you back to where you belong and they're gonna take very good care of you and grogu's like oh are you okay dad he's like i'm fine i'm gonna fly the ship now and so they're flying along, and they get to Tython, and they, like, find the Seeing Stone, because it's the only place in, like, Southern California that looks like a temple, and they're like, that must be it. Um, and so they land nearby, and they jetpack over, which I just, oh, he jetpacks in happiness, and then he jetpacks in fear at the end. Oh, makes a circle. Anyway. So they get up to the temple, and Den, in all his glory, has no idea what to do, so he just kind of throws his child on a rock, and he's like, do your thing! And Grogu's like, oh my god, look at all these butterflies. They're blue. Are they forest butterflies? <gasps> Is this future Ben Solo? Hey, Hi. Oh, oh, I have a whole note just for you. How fun. He's just playing with the butterfly and Jen's like, come on, kid. This is not very Potter puppet pals. You can't follow the butterflies. Let's do this. But, oh no, a ship arrives. And it's flying in, and Den runs over, and he's like, oh, Is that what I think it is? No, because I don't watch Star Wars. What ship is that? And it is Boba Fett's ship, the Fire Spray. And I'm gonna make all you fanboys cry. <laughs> the Fire Spray. And it lands nearby, and Den's like, Shit, we gotta get out of here. This is out of my league. Um, I just know that I can't do this. And he goes to grab Grogu, but Grogu already has a force field around him. And Dad's like, I, I don't, can't get to you, son. Son, let me in. Fuck. Well, okay, well, I'm just gonna go fight whoever this is, and you don't die and stay here for plot, okay? Well, bye. And he runs out, and he's running down the hill. It's all going great until some, like, pew, pew, pews come out and just stops. He's like, ah, I don't know what to do. Who are you? And out of nowhere, a man walks out, and he has a gaffy stick, and he's in a robe, and he just looks so cool, and he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the protagonist, who the fuck are you? And he takes off his head and is like, I'm Boba Fett. And it's like, should I know what that means? I don't know. Why are you here? And Boba's like, look, you took my armor, and I want it back. Den's like, well, are you Mandalorian? And the entire conversation is a big miscommunication. Because if Boba was like, yes, I am, then Din would be like, cool, here's your armor, and there's no episode. But because Boba and Dan are men, and they all have, they, yeah, they have to fight it out, there's an episode. So that's how plot works, everybody. And Boba's like, look, if you don't give me my armor, you're going to get shot. But not you, your little friend up there. Cause right up there on that ridge, and Boba like the music swells and he gets stars in his eyes and his gets little blushes in his cheeks and he's like up there on that ridge is a rather lovely and beautiful and very talented sharpshooter. And I'm just I met her in the, the warm sands and my love for her burned hotter than the sands of Tatooine. 
and she makes my heart go patter patter and I'm grown rather fond of her and it's her name is Finnick Shand and she's she will absolutely murder your son stand down <laughs> and, and Den's like okay why don't we all just chill out and talk about this so Finnick comes over and she's like sup and he's like, I thought you died. And she's like, no, because I'm Ming Dong Wen. And I went up to Dave Filoni because he originally car- killed my character. And I said, uh-uh, no way. And he went, okay, so now I'm here. Awesome. And Den's like, oh, good, because you're awesome. And that would have been really stupid if they brought in a big name actor like you just to kill her off in one episode because that's how Dave Filoni works. And he has a history of murdering women in Star Wars. That's awesome for you. Awesome. So they decide to make a deal. Because, oh, uh, by the way, Finnick has robot parts now. As we've, What did you call it, Chris? The mechanical womb? What did you call it? Yes, mechanical womb. She yes. has a mechanical womb now, but we'll learn more about that in Book of Boba Fett. Anyway, they make a deal. They will give Boba his armor, and they will protect Grogu. Cool. And it's good timing, too, because the Empire has showed up. Because if you guys remember two episodes ago... Um, some skeevy guys that work for Grief Karga stuck a tracking beacon on their ship, and now they're here because plot. Um, and so everybody moves out to fight, and it's just a lot of pew-pew-pews. For, like, the rest of, like, the next ten minutes, it's just pew-pew-pews. And Phoenix being awesome, and she's killing people, and she's throwing rocks down on people, and she's, like, taking names. And Boba Fett walks out with his gaffy stick, and he's, like, a horror movie villain. And he is just murdering people and it's fucking amazing but during all this Boba sees the razor crest and he's like I'm gonna go get my armor and just so you know Din does not do anything (laughs) because he's an idiot and he runs up to his child tries to get him through the force field and gets knocked out cold for 10 minutes but he's awake now and now he's ready to fight because this is our protagonist everybody and he has the worst timing, though, because as soon as he runs down to fight, Grogu wakes up, and Grogu's like, Ah, oh, that was so much fun. I sure do hope a computer robot AI-generated person in the finale doesn't come get me. That would be weird. Anyway, what's happening? Oh, God, I'm asleep, and Grogu takes a nap. And it's all, like, going crazy. More Imperials are arriving, and Finnick's getting pinned down. She's like, Ah, oh, this would be a great time if my boyfriend showed up and saved me, even though I don't need to be saved. I'm a strong woman. And Den runs in, and he's like, I'm here. And she's like, fuck off. I got this. And Den... And, and, <laughs> <Sorry>. <coughs> Den and Finnick are pew-pew-pewing more. But then Boba Fett does show up, and Finnick just, like, kicks back and just, like, puts up her helmet. She's just like, hey, babe, do your thing. And Boba's like, oh, honey. I will. And he murders more people. <laughs> and Den's like, do I need to leave so you two can, you know, get a room? And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. You wanna go? <laughs> Are you gonna go? And so we can do our thing. And I know why he's killing people. It'll be a while, but, you know, you can leave later. Anyway, so, long story short, Boba Fett murders all the Imperials, blows up their ship, and it looks like the day is saved. But then, the worst possible thing happens the tragedy of this episode the title occurs and moth gideon shoots an orbital beam and blows up the razor crest (laughs) (laughs) but it could have been yoda (laughs) it's unconfirmed (laughs) and like no yoda yoda wanted yoda was trying to blow the other ship up because it had spray in its name but he missed Actually, I don't want to know. Go away. <laughs> uh, and so everyone's, 
Uh, I no, I'm thinking he's thinking other kind of spray from his banana I, hammocks. Name of Boba Fett. No, name of Boba Fett's ship Yoda was talking about. What else is you know Yoda blowing? Oh boy! <laughs> just things I didn't need in my brain on a Tuesday he's night. He's the right height. I'm just saying. Yoda is now <gasps> activating oh. cringe. I'm. Just Anyway, Din's house blows up. He's in shock. <laughs> hope, you like, hope you must resist Yoda's cringe power that he's aiming at you. I, I, I think, Maggie, was that you that said the blowing? Of course it was. Awesome. No, I'm laughing at Maggie. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, he got me like right in like the gut. Um, anyway, uh, Boba Fett flies, flies off to the fire spray and to go get a ship. And Den Finnick run for Grogu. Because Moff Gideon is just like, send out the nothing burgers. And then the Death Troopers go and get Grogu because they do very little on this show. And they are very... Oh, hot take, I hate them. Anyway, so the, the nothing burger dark, dark troopers land. And they snatch up Grogu and Grogu's like, ah! I'm just a tiny child, and they fly away with him. And Den gets up there, and he's like, "My baby boy, I just gonna do something." And she's like, "Oh, I will." And she's like, she picks up her phone. And she's like, "Hey, sweetie, can can you go blow up the Star Troopers for me?" And Boba's like, "Hell yeah!" And Den's like, "No, they have my baby. Don't blow them up." She's like, "Okay, hold that, but figure it out, and we'll do this later." And then Den cries some more. Um, and so Bubba falls, and he's like, oh, shit, the Empire's here. Well, now all the main characters know. It's great. It's fine. Anyway, so Gideon gets the, the baby, and they fly away. Later, Den is going through the wreckage, and he finds his emotional support ball, and he's like, this is my chance. <laughs> and he also finds the best car spear, because that's very important in the long run. And he comes back over to Boba Fett, and Boba's like, you, you okay, dude? He's like, I'll be fine. I'm a Mandalorian. We don't cry. I'm not taking off my helmet. It's part of the code, so you can't see it by face. And Boba's like, cool. Anyway, here's my chain code. And yeah, we're in service to you, and we'll help you get your baby back. And Den's like, thank you. That's great. We have to go do something very unsavory, though. And Boba's like, oh, what unsavory thing do we have to do? So they go to Navarro, and they have to see Cardin. Which is always fun. <laughs> and they see her face. And Bubba's like, oh, I'll see why you're here. And Den's like, hey, Kara, what's up? I see you're an official marshal now. And she's like, yeah, that would have been fine if I wasn't a horrible person and stuff like that. But, you know, they what they should do is they should still go forward with the Rangers of the Republic show. But recast me as Michelle Rodriguez because she was fucking awesome in that D&D trailer and she would make a great cartoon. What do you think? And Den's like, yeah, that sounds great. And until we do that, though, will you help me find my kid? We also got to go pick up a guy named Mayfield because he's an Imperial and that's going to be a really great episode next week. And she's like, cool, let's go do this. Finally, we go to the baddies and Moff Gideon's just like, Grogu, what's up? And he's like chewing up the scene and Grogu's like, dude, are you okay? I like killed half your stormtroopers. He's like, I'm just so happy to see you. Oh my god, I heard so much about your puppet. By the way, look, I have a dark saber. You know what this is? And Grogu's like, oh shit. 
and he's like, we'll figure it all out. Get the baby binders. And they get the baby binders, and they stun Grogu, and and Gideon's all like, I'm evil. And then we go call Dr. Pershing, and it's time to set up for the finale. The end! Oh, God! Woo! I like that we're ending on a Dr. Pershing note that makes me very happy, personally. Yes. I added that just in for you, because I knew it would. Thank you. Oh my god. At least there so, was like not as much story in this because you would have had to stretch out all these three for the to put it into three parts, I think. Yeah, yeah. They would have been say, they would have been three very like really short parts. I think this is like the shortest episode of season two so far, to be perfectly honest, too. So um anyway, hi everybody. Hi. Now that we're back, I'm gonna take a break for a second and rest my voice. What are I, I wanna open this roundtable and this is a roundtable so we can go anywhere discuss anything you want on the Buffy episode but the thing I wanted to open this conversation with is this is the first time we've really seen adult Boba Fett in live action because of course we've seen him in Clone Wars and stuff and Daniel Logan played them but you know in in the movies he's just kind of like this cool guy but this is kind of the really the first time We've seen him, like, as a character. And as you guys all said, hot and fuckable. So, what is that change for you? Why is it different? How'd you like it? Just just go on, and I'm gonna just, like, rest my voice for, like, 30 seconds. Like, for a few minutes. <laughs> Take it away. And, Chris, you, you can join in on this, too. Oh, thank you, Hope. Yeah, you're not allowed. <laughs> I... I was instantly endeared to him the second that Finnick showed up and it became apparent that he had saved her. And that's like one of my favorite tropes. And I was like, sold. I don't care what any of the stupid, annoying fanboys have said my entire life about Boba Fett, but he is my character. I am claiming him and I'm going to paint him with blue butterflies. He is my precious bean now. I, I agree. I think... It's partially, like, the fact that he saw a woman nearly dead in the desert and wasn't just, like, let me get the information I need from her, whatever, and move on. Like, for whatever reason that he's come upon her, he's just like, no, I'm going to save her life with some really expensive electronics and make sure that she survives and is clearly a good enough person that Fennec Shand is sticking around, like, I don't know how long it's been, but is sticking around, like, quite a substantial amount of time later. And... I cannot overstate the importance of being able to see a character's face. Like, hmm. think about, like, Darth Vader. Like, we love Darth Vader. Darth Vader's badass. Darth Vader's kind of sexy in that mask. We are endeared to Darth Vader when the mask comes off. Mm-hmm. At the end of, um, oh my god, episode six. Return of the Jedi. Of the Jedi. At the end of Return of the Jedi, throughout the prequel trilogy, like, he is not wearing a mask. We know who this man is. We can look into his eyes. We can see his face. And then Boba Fett, who my whole life was just a badass in a mask. Boba Fett, go pew. He's a person now. He's got wants. He wants to connect with his heritage. He is clearly has this connection with this woman. Like, he's a person. He's not a caricature anymore. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with what both of you have said is... I, I again we all grew up in the era of just Boba Fett being a badass and you're like yeah cool but like where's the story behind it and we're finally getting that story and I I just think it's such a wonderful thing that it is with 
this new character beside him of Din and Fennec, especially Din, just because they're almost mirrors of each other. Like, I, 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 this might be a different tangent for another time, but, like, I wonder if Boba sees a younger version of himself and Din and is kind of like, let me look at this sad himbo man who just lost everything and let me take him under my wing. I'm just adopting all the strays in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I will, like, make make this weird little dysfunctional slash we put the fun in dysfunctional family and, um, and just really kind of make his own story for the first time in probably who knows how long. Because, I mean, we grew up in the prequel era of knowing that Boba was the clone son of Django and he was this badass bounty hunter, but who is he as a person? And this was just that first step of making him more than just, as Arzu said earlier, like a man in a mask. This is actually where I think Chris has a very interesting different insight because you're an OG fan. You saw A New Hope in the theaters. So you were first time you ever saw Boba Fett was the Christmas special. The Christmas special. And then, but like, uh, after, but here, this was before, you know, the, while the Christmas special was never on videotape, it was never aired again. So I remember that cartoon being really cool. I didn't remember the name Boba Fett, any, anything like that. Like, so I didn't, and, and the same with uh, Scott Gardner, we, we both watched the, the holiday special. But then Scott Gardner saw the trailer for Empire Strikes Back, and it just had a shot of Boba Fett firing off a shot. And he's like, this guy in his armor, he looks like crazy. He's got a rocket on his back. And then they were selling the action figure. So it seemed like Boba Fett was going to be this big part of the movie, and he looked really cool. And then he just turned out to be basically sort of like a courier. He was just like like Space Uber mercenary, where it's just like... I'll stay here. Oh, oh, you caught Han, you caught Han Solo for me and put him in carbonite for me. Thank you. I'll take him. And that's it, you know. I'll pew pew a couple shots off at people who are chasing me, but it was really nothing. And then Return of the Jedi was even less so. So I was never a big fan of Boba Fett. I was I didn't hate him, but um I was being, I'm sure Hope remembers, I was being a crab before this episode because I'm like, I really don't want him to. I was kind of happy that they had sort of based the whole lore of Mandalore just on his his armor, which was the coolest part of Boba Fett up until this episode. So I, I was just like, you know, I sort of like that. But, you know, I knew in my heart of hearts there's no way that Disney can own Boba Fett as a character and not use him in some way. So I knew he was coming back, but I was like grousing about it. Like I'd never cared about Boba Fett. I really don't. And it's going to, it's going to be such a big deal. And I it mean, was, I, I was the same, like before it the Mandalorian been up so easily. Yeah. Before the Mandalorian ever started, the one thing I said was, I do not want to see Boba Fett in the show. And I'm, never been so happy to be wrong yeah Yeah, oh my god i'm i'm on record on my youtube channel being like the one thing that i don't want to happen in the mandalorian season two is i don't want to see boba fett Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was like i was wrong (laughs) yeah think about this i'm on i'm on record saying the same when he popped up at the end of the first episode in season two i was yelling at a friend i'm like that 
had better be Rex. If that's not Rex, I don't want it. If that's Boba Fett, I'm not watching the show. Like, mm-hmm. I could to- so I, I would, yeah, yeah, I could totally agree with that. But the, it, there was a combination of the script doesn't see like nothing. In, this is a low budget episode. It's it doesn't seem too flashy. It's got a flashy director, but he's also a good. He also knows how to work with no budget, and it's and it's very simple. It takes place on just a couple sets, you know, in a couple areas. And the 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 like dialogue and stuff is very simple and everything. And like you really don't Boba Fett comes in and he and Fennec Shan kick ass and then like, hey, we're friends at the end. It sounds really cheesy. It sounds like a comic book sort of like, hey, we'll get them together and stuff. But the but the script is even though it's really simple, like we know so much about him. And now what we saw of him in Book of Boba Fett that he's he's totally like he's told his character at this point in the story just as a reintroduction is totally consistent with how he is in book of boba fett and temer morrison's a great actor and he manages to just like project just what needed to be projected and the fight scene that he's in is awesome it's robert rodriguez action you know, you see every every you you know what's happening at all times, and he has nice little flourishes where he'll be hitting someone, and you'll see the effects of the person he just blew up in the background, and and all of that combined. At the end of this episode, I was like, "Holy cow!" I'm sitting here, and now I'm interested in Boba Fett. Now he's a character in my head, you know, and I'm and I'm ready to like, fit, you know, now I want to know how he got out of the. Uh, you know, out of the belly of the, of the, um, whatchamacallit in Return of the Jedi. Why can't I remember the Sarlacc? That? Sarlacc, yes. <laughs> Jesus. So, like, yeah, because I think there's such a nice balance of both a softer side. Like, when he's talking about his chain code or, or saving uh, Finnick, like, that is a very soft side of Boba Fett. But then you have, it, it's paired with these really amazing action scenes, like when he is dragging his gappy stick about to hit a stormtrooper, it's Hot. a, it's a horror scene. Yeah. yeah. And like, I love the music. It, like, I love his theme, but like, he is, he's essentially, um, oh, was it Michael? The, the white-faced mask guy? Um, he's like Michael Myers and he's stalking these stormtroopers and it's terrifying and it really shows Tim's range and and he's like not this... just beating them. He's like he's smashing their helmets. He's he's like kind of there's like a, a controlled rage to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's like the strength of television, because having Star Wars on TV allows us more time to like really get into like the nuances and the meat of these characters. And like this episode to me, like if this was part of a movie, like a Boba Fett movie, even though it would still be cool and have all these action sequences and stuff like that, I think we would have lost those softer, slower moments in the big scheme of things because we can actually have an episode of being like, here's four or five, six different shades of Boba. Yeah. I think 50 too- Shades of Boba. Hey. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Yes. I didn't even pick up on that. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's what we're all here for (laughs) i think the the cool thing though like you were saying hope it you know it is very scary the way he he like comports himself in that moment but 
I think through the various media, we can kind of cobble together enough of a sense of who Boba Fett is and kind of him, you know, rescuing Fennec and wanting to just talk it out about his armor. And the only reason he even wants the armor is because it used to belong to his father. And like, he's not an unhinged man. He's not out for blood because he thinks it's fun. Like, this is a very understandable rage. It's very personal. Yeah, like, he takes it very personal. These are, you know, a guy who has a complicated relationship with the clone troopers because of who they are, but then these people aren't them. They're, like, the people brought on to replace them. So even though he doesn't like the clones, he probably feels even worse about these guys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sort of living in this kind of in-between space with the Empire that then, you know, dropped him in the Sarlacc and didn't think twice about it. And, like, stuff like that. So for him, and then now with the additional context of the Book of Boba Fett and what, quote-unquote, government does, all of it is very understandable anger. It just manifests in a, to us, very scary way. Did any of that make sense? Yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, am I just in my, like, horny Boba Fett feels? Like, I don't know. I, I look at it almost like he's he and and so much is just and this is just from this episode, but it sort of bears up in Book of Boba Fett that he's like sort of got this, you know, um, he's doing this sort of code of honor that comes with like atonement, but it's like personal atonement. He's like, I'm going to be a different, you know, once he got out of that Sarlacc, he was probably like, well, I, I swore to myself that if I ever got out of the Sarlacc that I would be a better person. And he, you know, he seems to have be like a, a kinder, gentler Boba Fett. But like he's not he, he hasn't let go of his anger. He's just controlled it. And like, I mean, he used to I mean, he used to do business with stormtrooper people and stuff back in the day when he was a mercenary. But he probably probably hated him. And now he. Gets oh, to take it out on him. I, I think it's, that's also where Book of Boba Fett really informs back on this episode. Because, like, for example, like, his, like how he's learned to control his anger is he spent all that time with the Tuscans. Like, when the separate episode first came out, like, he's walking around with his gaffy stick, but, like, now we know, like, what went into making that. It was a process. It was time. It was oh, yeah. Energy. It's like a, like a spiritual, you know, spirit. A, a story of like either from like uh, Native American stories or or you, you know of the of the of the or, or Joseph Campbell hero journey sort of thing, but just sort of the 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 you know he's he's on he's on some sort of path you know he's he's acting like someone who's on a path he like when he's like. Oh no, I remember every word we said to each other and I said, you know, I'll protect the kid and technically I got to protect the kid with you, you know, and I'm going to do it because I have a code of honor to myself to be a better Boba Fett. A, a better Boba for the future for Fennec. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk about a little bit, I think Hannah brought this up and I wanted to go back to it because I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, about Den and Boba, because something, just so you guys know, um, we've been talking about all season is the importance of the cameos and how every single cameo from the Frog Lady to Bo-Katan to Ahsoka, how they have pushed Den on his journey. And there's, 
and, and Boba Fett, especially now in the context of Book of Boba Fett, is very telling because to me, Din and Boba are very thematically linked. Um, they are because we've seen like Bloodborne Mandos like Bo Katan, and we find out that Django is a foundling, which really ties Boba and Din together in more ways than yeah. he probably has ties to someone like Bo Katan. And what I really loved about this episode, the rest of the season in Book of Boba Fett, is both Din and Boba are working to be their own kind of Mandalorians and potentially, possibly setting up what the future of Mandalorians is going to look like. Right. I I agree with you, and I'm hoping that's the direction things are going. A certain quote this week has me second-guessing. What? What this week? That quote from Favreau about Din needing redemption. Um, no! Oh, I, I oh get, God! Oh, I have not heard this. Please tell. It's oh, no. it's not great. Um, it. I'm hoping that he was needing the word atonement and said redemption instead because people all frequently falsely correlate those two words because they have similar connotations but do not mean the same thing um but he essentially this is just me paraphrasing but keeping keywords um implied that din needs to redeem himself in season three uh and the implication is because he broke the creed which then puts the 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 right party in this situation on the armorer and that whole little sect of religious fanatics uh so not not good vibes he's a writer so it could be misdirection too i'm hoping i'm hoping yeah 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 Yeah, but i will throw hands over more than any cameo that they could make up yeah no i will find him if they go to if they go to that place they've been heading away from it you know they've been heading in the opposite direction the whole two seasons of of the show so far yeah, just sort I was of, about to say, I was like, it would be such a violent abrupt about face. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just scared me because it's slightly in conflict with how the trailer is cut, which I know only a few of us have seen, um, because I don't, I don't know, Lucasfilm is holding that for hostage or something. Uh, so it just, it worried me as to which one is the misdirect. Is the trailer the misdirect or this random John Favreau quote? So uh, that's why I'm like, like, I hope that it's that we're actually getting to see Mandalorians finding their own place within the creed and taking what works for them. And like the stuff, the thematic stuff that's laid out in this episode and some of the other episodes in season two and then the book of Boba Fett. So I, yeah. I- I can see it's a truth wrapped in a lie or a ra- lie wrapped in a truth because I could see, because we know that Den's creed is very important to him. And there's a reason that when he gives up Grogu, he tries to go back to his old way of life. Um, so I could see him being like, all right, I need this mission because this is what I was raised on. But I could see him about halfway through season three, just being like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. My, my heart's not in it anymore. And I've seen all these other people like Boba Fett and Bo-Katan and maybe possibly Sabine Wren. And they're not like this. Like, Because it feels like there has to be a face-off with the armor at some point. That just feels like a storyline that's coming up yeah. of just like, you raised me to think this, but I've met all these other Mandos. Well, they're parting I- in, in Book of Boba Fett. I almost said season three. Um, they're parting in Book of Boba Fett didn't feel conclusive. So I think yeah. you're right about that. Like they need that last 
that last moment. Like there's more to this life than what you've raised me to believe my whole life. Yeah. So. But what what are some of you guys' thoughts about like the connections between like Den and Boba? Like either in this episode or the overarching narrative that we've had so far. I think they're good for each other. It's quite funny watching them play off of each other, especially during Book of Boba Fett when Din's just being a stubborn butthead and Boba's like, no, go on, get out of here. And Din's like, fuck you being noble. Like, I'm going to stay here and die with you because I got nothing else to live for because my kid's over with Luke Skywalker. I was <laughs> giving up on shit. Stupid Luke Skywalker. Stupid C- Luke Skywalker and C- his C- stupid C- Chanel C- boots. With his robot voice. Robo Luke. Oh, I hate it. I... God. I oh, like maybe he was born from Fennec's womb. No. <laughs> oh god. Poor Fennec, he <laughs> doesn't up, deserve Chris. that. Okay, I'm gonna invoke this. Shut the fuck up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> Ew. Someone was about to say something that was not oh. that. <laughs> I was gonna say I like um Din and Boba's dynamic. I think, like Hannah said, they're good for each other. I especially think Boba is really good for din um mm-hmm. i would like to see down the line kind of more in this vein and less like book of boba fett episode seven where yes they're united in common cause but they actually have a moment to kind of talk about things mm-hmm. and like reflect on things as people because i think that's where that's where the story lives that's where things move forward right is in is in those conversations, like their conversation about like, did you take the creed in the beginning? And then him being like, well, no, your father was a foundling. Like Din kind of having that little growth in this episode. Like I would like him to have more of those moments with Boba. Cause I think, yeah, I think Mando Boba's... wise, he's the best role model he could ask for. Yeah. Boba's which is like amazing to say. Along. Right. Yeah. He's, he's more further along as a person, you know, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's got, a little more figured out and could definite and they're obviously very similar you know when when they just and that was another neat thing about this episode when they start fighting together they just naturally fight together they just naturally even in conflict they sort of have an understanding and yeah it's a it's i think it's a really good dynamic it's sort of like having a his boba's sort of like an old older smarter uncle to din that's not saying much because Den's an idiot. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's all his uncles, you know. But still, he's the smartest uncle. He's the I, toughest uncle. I just thought of a question that I'm going to sideswipe everybody with because I I think oh. it's interesting and I haven't brought it up because um, we talked about the importance of the different cameos, but I didn't even mention Fennec. Do you guys think that's over the course of like this episode, Phoenix's last episode being, I don't remember the name, the one with Toro Calican, and he's dead. Oh, uh, the... no, I forgot. Yeah, the gunslinger. The gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. And future episodes, do you think Phoenix has done anything to further further Jen as a character? Uh... Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I I, I was not prepared no. for this one either. I hadn't considered it, but I think indirectly, maybe kind of what she represents as like a target as initially a target and now an ally, I think 
just in the general sense of Din kind of having to reassess his relationships and the way he has chosen to live his life. I don't know if that's Fennec specific, but I think Fennec having reoccurred across seasons is maybe the clearest example of that. All right, here's my here's my brain thought, and tell me if I'm crazy. So we talk about like how Boba kind of represents a new way of being a Mandalorian to Din. What if Fennec in some form or fashion represents a new way for Din to be a bounty hunter? Like Ooh. it's not it's not necessarily that they have to separate from each other, but that they can like coexist within him as a person. I would almost I don't know. Take it a step further instead of like being a bounty hunter, but just being a person. Because they were both bounty hunters, and we know from Book of Boba Fett, like Finnick is looking at this possibility of a new life, and Din is kind of being forced into having to walk this new path. I mean, the Razor Crest is destroyed. I mean, that's that is his safety net, and he has no more safety net, so he's kind of forced to go forward. But Finnick is this kind of this representation of somebody who's unsure about a new life as well. She has that fireside chat with, with Boba and she's like, I don't know if I can start over dude. And he's like, you should with my loins. It's great. Um, and she's <laughs> sorry. Um, and so I, I feel like she might represent like somebody who comes from an unsavory background who is also getting a second chance and they're both kind of discovering it at the same time. Yeah. I could also be talking out of my brain thoughts too. Yeah. It's not bad. Cause I think, I think, and everyone correct me if I'm wrong. I think the way we all see Fennec is kind of the effect she's had mainly on Boba and he on her versus kind of like anybody like outside their orbit. And I think it's kind of interesting to look at, especially like when you add Din into that mix. I, I would almost throw it also out as a criticism that I think they always underuse Finnick at all times. Oh, hands down. I agree. And so maybe the fact that we're all having to struggle to answer this is telling because of the lack of Finnick, not just here, but in Book of Boba Fett. I, I think Finnick Shan deserves the world. I think she deserves a story of her own. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I thought it was going after chapter four of the book of Boba Fett. She she seems to get cast basically is doing, uh, you know, I kick ass and I can parkour. And that's, <laughs> that's a lot of parkour. Parkour. That's just how I like to say parkour. But uh, yeah, they they haven't, you know. I mean, she'll she'll give the Boba the occasional piece of you know, advice or common sense or, or something like that. But like, yeah, there's, but, you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they're just thinking, well, you know, we've got years and years of Star Wars shows. So, you know, I mean, like I could see it like a, a Fennec Shan, Shan show would be amazing, especially if it was set before Boba Fett, you know, would be uh, amazing. Cause I hope if there's a Fennec show, after Boba Fett, it's with Boba Fett too. So I'm with you guys on that. I'm trying to think about Bad Batch and how she's almost sort of like more like Boba in her episodes with Omega because I think she, she has more in work mode, you know. 
but she still has those like moments of just like genuine softness with Omega. And yeah, some a lot of it is for work, but there are also times where she's talking with Nalise and she fucking fights Cad Bane for this child. Um in it she does remind me more of Boba there than she ever does of Din as well. And it's almost like she's coming back full circle of being like who that kind young person was to the small child. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think in Boba Fett they didn't want us to, they they wanted to be more obscure, you know, more obscure about her her character. So like she could have been being nice to Omega because she felt softness for her or because she was just like, you know, I'll I'll, I'll make this trip easier by like, uh, you know, you know, being friendly a little bit or a little bit of both or whatever. They made it unclear as to like what her her ethics were, you know, or her uh, D&D, you know, assignation if she was like chaotic evil or lawful evil chaotic good more like chaotic good i would i would probably say i'm just really glad that ming Wen fought for her role because she was yeah. supposed to die in the gunslinger and i can't imagine what this episode would be like without her i the- i agree just it fits stop- in like they planned it from the beginning you know so they probably should have so I do want to talk just very briefly. Uh, I'm going to hijack this for a second because we had talked about this last week um, about the spear. Um, so, so to catch you guys up, uh, we were talking about how the spear actually represents Den and his transforming love and for Grogu and his life changing. And so with the destruction of the Razor Crest, the only two important items that are saved are the emotional support ball and the spear. And the spear is just this item I find, like, very fascinating because it starts as a weapon, which is essentially what Den is. In the first episode, he's just this bounty hunter. He's just this weapon. But like the spear gets melted down over time, Den gets his lair stripped away, and the spear gets transformed into Grogu's chainmail. And it becomes this sign of protection and love for Den towards his son. Um, and so I just wanted to just like note on it because it is the only, like one of two items that survived and the other item is this ball and they both are things that represent Grogu to Den. I like how he just sadly puts a ball in his pocket. <laughs> my son. Oh, it's his ball. Hey, Arzu. Yes? What do blue butterflies mean in the force? I don't know, actually. Um, they mean Ben Solo to me, but that's more what I was asking. Why? Yeah, like are... I'm like, is there a correct answer? I don't know. But... So, where did the blue butterflies representing Ben Solo came from? Because I remember when this episode dropped, my Raylo Twitter went off with all the gifts and all the pictures of blue butterflies. So, it. It came from a what are those things called? Star Wars rollouts, the ones where they all they're all shaped like BB-8. Yeah, the like the Star Wars kids web, cartoon. Yeah, it's a web cartoon on YouTube. Um, so in one of those, it was like a three-parter. Baby Ben Solo, Han Solo, and Chewbacca are off on like a mission to get some kind of crystal, and Ben isn't supposed to go, but he sneaks onto the Falcon, and Han kind of tethers him to the ship so he doesn't wander <laughs> off. 
Um, he wanders off anyway and ends up in peril, but ends up rescued by these blue butterflies. So, and they kind of like carry him back to his death. But that came out very shortly after the rise of Skywalker, um, where we were not okay. Um, so there was that combined with a panel in a Charles soul comic, a Vader comic where Vader is like meditating. And when he's in his like force space, I guess, like he's not on this plane, he's in like the force plane. He's like surrounded by these small, they look like butterflies. That's the artist said they weren't, but they, they look like butterflies. Um, so he's surrounded by these butterflies that are kind of representative of the light still within him or whatever. So the butterflies, I guess, came to represent both Ben Solo and like the light within Ben Solo. Or maybe maybe they're attracted to maybe they're like the patron saint <laughs> or, you know, they're, maybe they're they're attracted to young Jedi, you know, like so like Ben, like Darth Vader is reminiscing about his his youth when, you know, when the blue blue butterflies will flock to you when you're just a wee wee oh. tadger of a Jedi. Yeah, because it's in the Charles Soule comic, isn't it? That's- yeah. Mostly where it came. That's uh, the two apparently are not related. I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. I I choose to believe otherwise. I choose to. Yeah. I don't think this is obviously Ben Solo because say he's alive related, and well and ten years related. old. But um, I I always just found that like really interesting that the force and how the force is tied to animals and and when I saw the blue butterflies, I was like, ah, oh, here goes Ray Twitter. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> and they're off. Listen, Mag- Maggie can attest. We will take the crumbs that we get. I misremembered We're... it as a whole bunch of butterflies. When... No, it's just like a handful. Like maybe yeah. what, like three or four, or something like that. If that. Yeah. No, I I misremembered it as like almost like a little swarm of them all around his head for some reason. Speaking of going off, hey guys. Is it that time? I think it's time. I, I guess and before we, we we release release the fangirls, um, does anybody else have any like major thoughts about the tragedy that they just like are dying to talk about? Grogu was making slurping noises this week. Listen, uh, your Grogu mouth breathing is my favorite. Thank I you. swear to God, it's a theme that they have him making a, like different kinds of baby noises every every episode. They're testing out which are the the best baby noises for him to make. On that important note, do any of was, you guys have any like strong pressing thoughts that you want to talk about for this episode? I think Maggie did. Yeah, um, I unironically really like the Razor Crest being destroyed. Um, I like to joke about it because I knew a bunch of people who had signed up for that Hasbro HasLab thing. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. Cause I was like, that's so much money to drop on a stupid replica. They're going to like blow up, blow it up next week or something. I made that joke and then it blew up. Um, <laughs> that was, <laughs> And so this is why I ominously laugh because I vowed to always laugh at. Sorry. Dance, dance. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're also, your phone is celebrating the destruction of the Razor Crest, <laughs> which is really <laughs> bad because I was so upset about this whole process. <laughs> I was like, it's his only home, and you just had to crush it. 
<laughs> I usually don't get into ships either, and I was really digging that ship. I was like, I, w- I could live on that ship. The, the the only other ship in like recent memory that I like was like, I love this ship was on, um, oh, what was it? The Joss Whedon show, uh, Firefly. Or... Firefly was a movie. I love that ship though. That no, the was... movie was the, was Serenity. <laughs> Serenity. Okay, yeah, but the, the but the but the ship on that show, I was like, yes. yeah, I could totally live in a ship like that. I I like that ship, and and the Razor Crest was the same way. I was just getting to really, really like actually be a ship fanboy, and then they blowed it up. But uh, Maggie, about... uh, finish what you were saying. Yeah, everything about the double hit of like the tragedy and the believer is the idea of stripping Dan of everything that makes him who he is so mm. he can find out who he actually is. Um, because he's used the razor crest as like this like refuge, this home, this means of transport and travel, and it isn't really as much of a home as it is. It isn't really a home because it's like his work vehicle. Uh, it's kind of and like a semi-truck. He's kind of like a truck exactly. driver and that's yes. like a semi-truck. Yes, with all those carbonated bounties and it's, yeah. Um, and so like, I just love the concept of having the child taken from him, his ship taken from him, and then him having to make for a Mandalorian the ultimate sacrifice of taking off his helmet. And mm-hmm. I think it is really strong storytelling um and i really enjoyed what they did with that I, aspect to it especially because like in this time period because we we still don't really know what happened to the mandalorians like we know that something happened but we always hear it from unreliable narrators because the armor is just like yeah it's gone but bo katan's like no nah, it's still there and we don't really know who to believe um, so it kind of feels like the Razor Crest that the Mandalorians are also kind of like slapped together at this point because there's different factions going on. And the Razor Crest has always been, like I said, a safety net. Like Den even tries to go back to that. Like when he goes to Peli in Book of Boba Fett, he's like, I want another Razor Crest. And she's like, I got not that, but I have this <laughs> other thing. Um, and because Peli is the best. Um but I, I like that because he keeps trying to go back to it because it's what's comfortable. And it forces him to change, as you said, because he has to take on this new ship. He has to take on this new role in Grogu's life. He has to take on what possibly might be a new role as a different kind of Mandalorian. And I agree, like, I very unironically love that it's destroyed, too. Story-wise, yeah, but... Initially, no, was not happy. Oh, no, like that shot was just like I was not expecting it. And it was just a, a shot from the from shot out of nowhere. Yes. I didn't realize that the title of this episode was going to be mostly about a ship because that was the biggest. Well, and them taking the and them taking Grogu. It's too. Grogu. He is the cash cow. They're not going to get rid of right, the child. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I always. Oh feel no! Like, like I mean, we knew they had safe. to put it. They knew, we knew they had to put him in peril. But for the end, you know, there had to be some sort of, yeah. So, like, like the plot armor around Grogu will always be like twenty walls oh. of plot armor to get through. Like nothing ever. I never feel fully scared for Grogu. Like, yeah, he'll be in peril, but he's never gone. Like the Razor Crest is gone, and it hurts my feelings. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe in stuff like the Mandela effect until like. Like, if they had killed off Grogu, I'd be just like, we just went into a side dimension or something because... 
<laughs> yeah. There's a bunch Just, of mad stockholders out there. Does anybody else have really major points they want to talk about before we go into Bonic Land? I'm good. Chris? Chris? No, I'm good. I'm good. Anna? Ah, let's do it. All right, guys. I'm going to go back to my original question that I had at the top of the document. What is it about Bonic that you love so much? And you can use this episode, Book of Boba Fett, penis size, everything. Go for it. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back. And just throwing that out there. In a really fun. soft way. I'm a fan <laughs> of older people getting romance. Yes, Maggie! Mm -hmm. Like, I love it. Like, that was the most redeeming part of, what was it, Jurassic World Dominion? I was like, yes, older couples, they should smooch. And Bonnick should smooch. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that's very interesting because I so often in Hollywood, older actors don't get these scenes. Like, Ming-Na-Wen's like, what, almost 60? She's 60. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... I can't believe that. It's really? Yeah. yeah. We've had this conversation, Chris. <laughs> Ageless queen. I remember and... being older than I expected, but not older than me. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, and, but I do like that about how there's a lot of focus, not just in this episode, but, like, in other Star Wars properties recently where they're having, like, a lot of older characters featured, and they're all fucking badasses, and I love it. But I'm sorry, Bonnie, go on, go on. Uh, what's what's the what's the what's the first date? I think like like Maggie said, it's it's two older people falling in love. Like on a meta level, we love to see it. Within the story, it's like two people who came of age at arguably the roughest time in the galaxy's history, like. They went from the Clone Wars to like twenty years of of the of the Empire, and like this this was their youth was this. So they kind of became these very hardened adults who kind of had to make the best of of a shitty situation. And things just go from bad to worse because one of them crawls out of a Starlock half burned, and the other one was shot in the gut and not expected to survive. And somehow they are both tenacious enough to survive that and now have made the choice to survive whatever's left of them like time-wise together and like there is nobody in this galaxy boba fett or otherwise who is keeping fennec shan somewhere she doesn't want to be so her choosing to stick with boba boba choosing to help her choosing to treat her like she says i'm in his service but like we all we all know like that's not what's going on. They are partners. They run in the book of Boba Fett. They run Tatooine like partners. They are, they are equals in this situation. So for the two of them to just kind of be like, yeah, let's, let's make a go of it. Let's kind of see what the next 20, 30, 40 years look like for us as, as a duo, I think is very compelling in a ship. And the fact that we ship it and neither of them is dead yet is great because star wars is tragedy we all know star that. wars is tragedy see if they ever hook up i would i would picture the scene like because right now their their technical relationship is sort of like he's the boss like he's her boss or whatever for or or whatever so there's a there's a power dynamic different technically on paper 
And I think it would just be a good scene of like, he's like, if we're going to date, you know, I'm going to have to free you from your, you know, bond. So we're both just like unequal. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, I, dude. <laughs> I think too, like, I, I get it. But I think too, like at their age, and I think yeah. like Boba Fett canonically is only supposed to be like 45, but like at their age, she's not young enough for him to exercise that sort of she has no choice yeah. control like she yeah. can shoot him in the head and not well, think twice about that's it that's what i mean she'd be like oh yeah okay you that's what you thought <laughs> you know or he's or... like definitely aware of the fact that she could kick him his ass <laughs> on any given sunday she could just unplug his back to tank when he's taking a bath you know be like, he like have a nice night <laughs> <laughs> he likes it it adds a, it adds a danger element to it he thinks it's sexy <laughs> And I'm here for it. Like, you know, everybody out there being like, I wish Fennec Shand would step on me. She actually steps on Boba and he likes it very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's funny is when I first saw this episode, I thought, boy, his 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 outfits a little. I love the fact that his outfit was a little tight, was a little tight on him. But like he's looking slim and trim in this like he's looking slim and trim and rugged in this episode. And then I was thinking it is like the way he looked in Book Book of Boba Fett and the whole back to tank was do you think that was a process? Because Tamora Morrison was like, I'll do it, but I don't want to put on the makeup all day, he... my scar makeup all day. Do you mean physically or do you mean like his scars? Physically, well, f- physically to, to make him look like the, the scar, like the makeup that are the scars on his face in this in this episode that like because he just he looks he looks he looks great in this episode. He looks rugged like in Book of Boba Fett. I mean, tomorrow Morrison just obviously put on a little bit of weight and like had been in the back to tank. So his face was a little smoother, you know. But I I like the I like the scarred up rugged he, looking Boba Fett better. He said he lost weight between the two. Between mm-hmm. the two, between and, this and mm-hmm. Boba Fett, because he was getting body shamed. It was yeah. it's, it's weird because it it seemed like he was a little little. little he was happier. a lot more musk. He was a lot was more a lot muscular. There was and, a lot of muscle in Boba Fett. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really like I don't know why people are like concerned. I don't know about why that people care. If, if you watch any, it's so. Cons- if you watch any Western, you know there's there's every body type in the in in the old you know the old West. A lot of the, like John Wayne was kind of a big barrel guy with a big gut on him, you know, and he's like an American icon of like toughness and stuff. So, come on, six, sixty year old Boba Fett, you know, because or how old is he really? They're upset that a 62-year-old man yeah. is built like a 62-year-old man it's, it's, and not like a 25-year-old. Well, he's actually mm-hmm. built like a 62-year-old man who's in really good shape. Like, yeah. 62-year-old men I know don't look like that, you know. So, I no. mean, yeah, he just, I mean, his the big movie he made that made it to, well, the, I guess a lot of the Star Wars fans, like, are picturing him from, you know, the, the prequels, but there was... um the the movie that he really burst on the scene with was with uh, Once Were Warriors. And Listen, he has never looked finer. I haven't even seen the movie. I've just seen pictures. But well, yes, he, he he's, he's frightening in the in Once Once Were War, uh, like I, Once Were Warriors is an amazing movie. It's one of those movies I'm only gonna watch once. 
and it's like it's almost like I almost advise people who haven't seen it who are like into his Boba Fett not to watch it because he's such an awful character in that like and he's so good at it that as of uh, being like a just a a, a terrible person <laughs> but you're talking to Kylo Ren stands who will sit through anything Adam Driver that, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 are brave. We can handle anything. It's 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 a it's a hard it's it's a hard it's a hard hard movie. <laughs> so it's but oh, go yeah. Ahead. Ahead, yeah, I just, but like, I, I think maybe people maybe pictured him for that where he looked almost like a bodybuilder in his old, old, or his, you know, first, first few movies. But yeah, he's, uh, I mean, and he's up physically, he's up for the job. He, he does not look, I, I don't know if uh, any of you are Star Trek fans, but did, the, they had that, yes. Picard, they had the I... Picard show. Yes. And, you know that you they would have okay Picard's got to run now and it would be just an obvious stuntman because he now he's a bit older than Tamura Morrison but like yeah Tamura Morrison is not worried he's he's a physical actor and anyway I'm I'm uh Shut fuck it, Chris. I'm, I'm I'm distracting from <laughs> the, the true focus here so I wanted to ask um the reason they meet is because. Boba finds Finnick in the desert and he saves her life. And where do you think the line crossed from her owing him this, you saved my life, so I served you, into real trust? And how do you think that, I'm kind of pulling this question out of my ass, um, how do you think that duty transformed into trust going forward? forward through Book of Boba Fett and where do you think their relationship is going to keep going? Well, I have two answers for this. My logical answer is I think sometime after he saved her life and that whole thing where they got the fire spray back, somehow, somewhere after that it shifted from like a, a duty to a trust in a partnership. My less serious answer is if you find my AO3 account, <laughs> there are about 90,000 words to that effect. Now, where I think it's going in the future is I would like the next time we see them to get a larger focus on their dynamic. Maybe they kiss a little bit. I don't even need the will they, won't they drawn out TV sitcom headache. Like, you kiss good morning, you have your coffee, you go kick some ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, th this live action Star Wars doesn't seem to like to do that. You know, no, they, they don't. They, but that's they, what they, I want. They, they, it was like when, when we were doing the last episode, and you know, and it's going to be the Ahsoka, the Ahsoka episode. Boom, she's up on the screen in the first thirty seconds. They're just like, yeah, we're 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 doing it. You know, and they just go with it. And I. I appreciate it because I, I, I'm old. I don't have time for all that like footsie when I know where it's going. You know, I don't need to. You know, just just do it. Just do it, Star Wars. Yeah, let Finnick and Boba. Let Finnick and Boba just do it. Um, same question to Hannah and Maggie. Like, where where do you think their relationship is going? When do you think that went from duty to trust? 
Um, everyone, feel free to throw out AO3 fanfics. I'm here for that. I think I'm I'm in the same place that Arzu is. Like, I just want domesticity between them. Um, I think that's the most romantic thing you can ever do in a show uh, is to just have people existing. And I think, you know, that's on a, a storytelling level, it's frustrating because that that is some of the best television. And yet television is convinced that if you let characters be happy and exist, that people won't watch anymore. So there yeah, always has to be conflict and drama. But that, no, I, I would watch like three hours continuously of people just being happy i don't want a marriage story or scenes from a marriage or whatever i don't want people fighting i want people happy speaking like, of kylo ren something yeah. that actually has always driven me mad was here you go everyone's about to groan back when i used to watch once upon a time don't bring up that cursed show um i remember being at dragon con and sean mcguire was there and he had this quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. By the way, Sean's very nice. Um and he said that if characters are just happy for an hour and like you it's an episode about them going to IKEA, it doesn't make good television. And I disagree. There's a plethora of slice of life fanfics that disagree. If I, I I'm gonna say you can do anything if the writing is good enough. And and like the the nature of characters is sometimes when when you like have a character that's not to go back into in the star trek but uh, mr like mr spock in star trek you don't need draw you know people when they like a character it's like a friend you want you know it, it, it would it be like oh it's it's boring like you got to go and hang out with your friends at like uh, a riot, you know, because uh, and uh, or get in a fight with them because otherwise, you know, it's going to be boring. No, and yeah, I, I just like, I think it's so funny, not funny, but ironic to me that it's more controversial for a character to end up happy than it is for them to be miserable or die alone mm -hmm. these days. Like, it's that's, just, I hate is, it. I hate it so much. That's exactly why Reva was so such a surprise in Obi-Wan. They didn't mm -hmm. kill her. They, and she oh. could still, like, go on and, like, have actual atonement. I was practicing my angry speech for when they inevitably killed Reva off, and then they right. didn't. I know. I was shocked. I... And again, yeah. that goes back to that, like, we shouldn't be surprised that somebody gets a happy ending because the reason why we like stories, why why we write fanfic, why we watch these stories is, what, is because we want that happiness for this character. Like, for as shitty as the world is, like, come on, can we at least have a little bit of happiness somewhere? Like, it is... Sorry, that was my soapbox. I'll get off. Well, yeah, and a lot of these characters, like Reva, for example, is... Reva's where she is. That started with like insane childhood trauma. Uh -huh. So like all her arc is just that sort of not resolving itself, but playing out and, and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's just really dark and cruel that if like to have her killed at the end of, at, at the end of it, you know, it would, it would have just been like, it, it it's, I, I wasn't very surprised. Cause I was sort of like, 
I ha- I I just have this feeling that like and I it's it's kind of half cynical that, that you know they had plans for that character and they probably when I I I'm of the scandalous opinion that she did a good job of acting in that a lot of a lot of uh, and I think a lot of people quote unquote it was no it was fucking fanboys being well I think at the beginning I think at the beginning she was sort of hitting one note and at first it was like okay this character sort of sort of one note but that was purpose purposeful to contrast with you know where where we were going when we actually can have some empathy for her and I thought it worked out really well. And I think she pulled it off really, really well. But I could see how somebody could be like, ah, she's just sort of like, you know, a, a standard revenge-driven baddie sort of character, which I think they wanted you to think. And then, you know, so you could go b- back into her backstory. But I think maybe they had plans for that character, you know, p- beyond Obi-Wan for sure. Wasn't I... Didn't it come out that though she was supposed to die? Like in early scripts? I think I, her I, I think the actress was one of the people was the one who like was it sounds very much like maybe I'm getting it confused with the with Fennec Shan. My my news editors but, uh, didn't wasn't there a story that was ran that early script she was supposed to die? Am I pulling that out of my ass? I don't know. Not that I know. I don't know. Hope. Not that I know either. Oh, I could be we, making We turn the cameras up. off, Cope, Hope, so we have no idea. <laughs> I am making stuff up now. But I, I don't, to go back to what like Hannah was saying, like I, I think there is valid stories and happiness. I mean, heck, um, in my new writing job, <laughs> somebody was talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so proud of me. Um, We're proud of you, was, too. Yes, you. we are. Um, someone was talking in the the Slack channel about how they were enjoying Princess and the Scoundrel because they were saying that they just want these characters to be happy. And so much in the movies and the shows, like Princess and the Scoundrel, for anybody that doesn't know, is the wedding and honeymoon book of Han and Leia. And she's like, and, and they were just like, hey, I just, I've seen so much of this already. And would it really kill them just to make them happy? And it goes back to like good writing. Like if if writing is good, then we should see Boba and Fennec together because well, they can have a domestic life, and I it'd think, be good writing. I think it's extremely telling that anytime a Star Wars like like a podcast account or fan account or just like a fan does a post about like a ship they like, most of the time is people in the comments going, "Oh my god, why would you do this to me?" With like crying because. All I can't ships. think of a single one that has an end point that had a good end point. Like it is. And this is me maybe getting on my romance soapbox. Cause if I'm not reading star Wars, I'm reading romance, but the way it is treated as secondary, as inferior, as a thing that makes a character weaker for wanting that kind of love for seeking that kind of love pisses me off. So much because there is nothing inherently wrong with with wanting a partner in life or like not being content with your found family and wanting like mom and dad forever with your like adopted siblings forever. Like 
Wanting a partner is fine. Wanting to make a life with another person in a family of two is fine. And people treat it like a bad word or like it's inferior or like you can't be badass and, you know, and also love somebody. And you know what's so funny about that to me and the way that that's treated in fiction is that on the flip side, if you are a single person living and existing in this world and people think that there's something wrong with you, they don't understand why you don't have somebody that you're with, why, why you're still close to your parents. Why are you close to your siblings? Like things like that. And yet when you want that in fiction, they're like, you're a terrible person. Why would you want that mm -hmm. for your and favorite it, character? And it's like, make up your mind. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It, it's, it's like almost phases. Like it, it gets treated like, like a character having a romantic or sexual desire taints them in some way and i'm like it, like head cannons aside canon like asexuality aside completely valid like it, it's not a dirty word it's not a bad word like i had somebody get so mad in my mentions somebody who doesn't follow me somebody i don't follow furious at the idea that i wanted boba and fennec together because they read fennec as asexual i'm like that is your head canon you're allowed yeah. to have that I don't mm -hmm. know why you're mad at me because I think she and Boba Fett make a really cute, like middle-aged second chance at love romance. Like I don't, that is not Twitter has the issue with not understanding that your head cannon is, is simply that it is in your head and it is mm -hmm. going to be in conflict with other people's head cannons. Even people who have similar head cannons to your head cannon it's going to be in conflict with that. So you just have to learn to let other people have headcanons that you don't agree with. And you just, you know. You just, you roll with it. You filter your tags on AO3 and you move on. You filter, mm -hmm. you make, you you text a friend who has a similar headcanon and the two of you can geek out about it together. You can mm -hmm. tweet about it all you want. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get up in other people's face because somebody's like, they should kiss. And somebody's like, actually, they're repulsed by the very idea. I'm like, not to me, they're not. <laughs> to me, they have like an active sex life, but okay. Like I will never forget seeing somebody argue that Finnick and Boba couldn't be together because they read Boba as um, bisexual. And I was just like, you know what, what that means? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can use that word. word. I don't think it means word. what you Doesn't think it means. Doesn't that facilitate but, them, you know? Do you know what the root of the word bi means? And, and now I actually wrote them. I was like, are, are you kidding right now? And he's like, no, Bubba likes men. He's bisexual. And I was like, oh my God. Funny. Okay. Funny. So I want to play a fun little game with you three just to wrap this up. You guys get to write your own Boba and Finnick show. And it can be R rated, it could be Incident 17. Your ideal Boba. It Notice Hope sense. didn't give you a G or PG option. No, <laughs> I, I already have an answer for this. Like I'm ready for it. I'm just hiring Arzu, and we're gonna use we're, we're gonna use her fanfic. Listen, like, that's what we're doing. We're gonna have to cut some of it out. Some of it was nope, a little gratuitous. No, 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 it's full on everywhere. No, no, no. I said MC17. This is like Disney Plus After Dark. <laughs> you are that's allowed. No, it was like some of it was definitely very gratuitous, but um, thank you, Hannah. Yeah, I feel like that's such a cop out answer, but it's my true answer.
So we have to I, wait till 2030 when Disney premieres Disney X. Oh my god. I, Disney XXX. I, I'm going to ask a question, but Arzu, you don't have to answer. And if she doesn't okay. want to answer, cut this part out, Chris. Um, because this has been brought up, what is your fic about, Arzu? Sure. Um, so my fic, if you're properly motivated, is very findable. It's um, it's the time between when Boba finds Fennec in the sand and the end of Mando season two. It's kind of their their journey. So towards the end, it overlaps with Mando, but up to them, up to there, it's them kind of, I don't know, learning to trust each other, kind of being pulled in on one last job, exploring, potentially being in a relationship, realizing maybe it's not going to work. Um, a astonishingly dark backstory for Fennec that I can't quite believe I wrote because my, oh my God, God was, that was fucked up. I was but, pissed um, you for days. <laughs> It was, was so pissed. Deeply mad. Like I have never written anything that sad before, and I never will again. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of filling in the the gap between Mando season one and season two with a lot of gratuitous sex. I was about that's, to say, I was gonna ask this knowing the answer. Is there sex? So much of it. It was actually <laughs> it's a milestone. It's the first time I ever wrote smut. So Aww. I was so proud of you for that. I think it I would you on quite a bit. <laughs> you did. I, I would send you the chapters and be like, can you tell me if this doesn't, like, can you make sure all the arms and legs are right yes. place? Because <laughs> I'm a raggedy old bitch. She's been writing smut for way too long. <laughs> I'm like, if, if, if he's got, if he's using both his hands to pin her hands above her head and suddenly there's another hand somewhere, like, I need to know. Like, somebody <laughs> told me. It's not an AO3 fic unless somebody accidentally has the wrong pronoun used for them. So it looks like (laughs) she's thrusting into him. It happens. It happens. Hey, pegging is a thing. We can peg. Pegging is very much a thing. I'm I'm well versed in writing that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Like I've always said, Star Wars is a galaxy far, far away. we, We see some creatures naked, but like we never truly know what's going on underneath all those clothes. So like in when it when it when it comes to writing about what what's going on with Star Wars genitals, right? The sky's the limit. Skier, Skier from the High Republic has two penises because lizards have hemi penises and Orla Jorini is a very lucky woman. Ah Yeah. I mean you can make up whole oh, new genitals if you want it on any you know, on anything and anybody in Star Wars from Han Solo to to huts, you know. Ancilla has a I small mean, tentacle monster from, down there. Uh, <laughs> oh my! Ancilla has a part it, tentacle monster. It, Lucky it, Ray. It, <laughs> Maggie, your perfect Boba Finnick show can be in Sue Seventeen. Pitch it. I'll just cop out and say Arzu's fake. No, you got. <laughs> okay. I will That's also so suggest everybody that going listening forward, is rushing out to read that one. Yeah. Going forward, if we had to get a book of Boba season two, I want it centered on Tatooine. I want them running their little house with their little motorcycle kids and their and their Wookiee buddy and their little rabbit droid who survived the kitchen massacre, thank God. Um, and just I, I kind would, of like a workplace like, situation. Like family shenanigans, like trying to keep the kids out of trouble, like trying to make sure the business doesn't like burn to the ground. Yeah, and you know, like Din comes by once in a while. 
brings brings nephew Grogu. Yeah. Grogu Dan gets catches the shenanigans some, uh, in I a mean, compromising I, position, and he's never the um, same again. No. Nope. The way you guys are describing it, it sounds like old biker couples that I've seen. Like when I go garage sailing, like, you know, the, the Harley riding bikers who are like now 70 years old and they're with their girlfriend and they're like, yeah, we smoke cigarettes and fish all day, you know, and listen to Leonard Skinner. Listen, get I them, get really them like those that. space Harleys. Yeah, I like, that, the, well, I like the space mopeds. Get them. Some yeah, space no, Harley. they just have to get a fancy speeder bike. You know that the you know fancy speeder bike. Well, you know his ver- their ver- their versions of Harley were speeder bikes and and rockets strapped to their back and stuff. But it's the same idea. You know they were they were lawlessly lawlessly running through the galaxy and. Also, I will say it on a on a serious note. If we were to get more Boba and Fennec, seeing what a good job was done with this episode, I would like Robert Rodriguez to be substantially more involved than he was with season one. Like, mm-hmm. let the, the man write it. Let him direct the whole thing. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez, he he had us eight-year-olds losing our damn minds over a parent relationship in Spy Kids. So if anybody can make a convincing love story for two older people, it's Robert Rodriguez. It's mm-hmm. it's funny, though, because people really think of him as a... As a uh action director which he is but he is like family like is a theme that runs through everything he did like those spike those spy kid movies were so much better than they really should have been because of that because of the the way the characters were written and and interacted with each other i i mean a lot of people were like kind of mad with all the episodes like all the episodes he did in book of boba fett for the most part people were getting like or for, yeah, Book of Boba Fett. They were getting like they they were cheesier than this one. This one was him being like straightforward, and it worked really, really, really well. And I liked the 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 little cheesy aspects he had to that one. But like, yeah, I I have a feeling that like Book of Boba Fett's gonna sort of be his show, you know. If going forward, I would I would like him to take a larger creative role. I would like. Dave Filoni to stop shoehorning Ahsoka into everything. I would like John Favreau yeah. to just stop, stop, <laughs> just stop. Please, God. So he's a he. he listen, he he's a great producer. He knows how to get the talent on board. From what I've heard, he listens to people. But stop. <laughs> <laughs> so to go into the last part of this. Um, we score the episode on a scale of one to 10. You guys are the guests, so feel free to score it out of 15. So what would you score this episode out of one to 10 and why? And I'm, I'm going to let Chris go first, just to, to set the example, get it, get it out of the way. Yeah. I, I, I gave it a nine. It this for, for like on paper, this episode should be one that I'm kind of middling on to maybe even not liking. Cause it's sort of like, let's get the story story going forward. It, it's setting, it's setting stuff up and like, Hey, reintroducing Boba Fett, which could be potentially cheesy. And I didn't want Boba Fett. And and it's not one of the like more like self-contained meditative episodes that usually get the nine nine point five to me, but like all the elements of this worked from every every aspect of it worked, and it was obviously a low, lower budgeted one, and I was I was just 
you know, it, it, it seemed like it was like five minutes long when I watched it, you know. So, yeah, nine out of ten. I liked it a lot. I'm going to put Arzu on the spot. Um, I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten purely because it's not long enough for my taste. Mm. Mm. And then I didn't talk enough. Maggie? Yeah, I'd say eight and a half out of ten. That seems apt. Why? Um, I felt like there could have been more dialogue, which is like my main complaint with the majority of The Mandalorian and even in the book of Boba Fett. Um, it just, I, I have feelings about that. Um, and I felt like Fennec didn't get to speak as much like Arzu said. Hannah? I would have to give it... Yeah, I'm going to go with the eight and a half. Like, I was kind of on the, I was more leaning, maybe like an 8.75. We're going to do that. We're going to make it a little bit higher just because I, and this is just kind of looking at it from like a technical standpoint, I really like the fact that they got out of the volume and out into like a real space, which it, it's kind of jarring, like after you look at the volume for a really long time. But it just, it felt more like raw and real to me. And the fact that they brought in these characters like Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, and especially with Boba Fett, like you had 30 minutes to get me to like this character that I not disliked, but like just was very apathetic towards. And like you completely changed my entire perspective. And now I'm on a podcast talking about it that I never thought I'd be doing in a positive manner. My God. Yeah. You get 8.75 plus it's just, Din and Grogu, and I'm just a sucker for that all the time, no matter what. You know, you just made me think of something. I wish they'd never told us about the volume. That for one, the volume sounds like some Lovecraftian, like don't stare <laughs> into the volume. You know that they're, they're overusing the volume and it's causing disturbance. But like, ever since like at first, the volume looked very visceral, and and I was and real but now like that it's gotten so that it gets so much use in in tv shows and movies now i can see the volume every time when when they're using the volume i can see it and and yeah when they're when they're outside and and you can tell they are they're there with the rocks you know and those rocks keep going into the background it's it's different it's different and at first i was like the volume that's the answer it's going to really like open it's gonna take out that sort of plugged in cgi background thing and it sort of did but nope now i now i can see the volume they gotta they should they should should not have told us about the volume and we'd never know i was (laughs) not expecting me and chris to outscore all three of you (laughs) to be perfectly honest our our botanic standard got in the way I, I, yeah, man, I can't believe it. Um, I gave it a nine out of 10. Um, I think this episode is, gets so much enhancement from the book of Boba Fett, but also a lot of times when it comes up to these, uh, like to these setup episodes where it's like, this is the episode that's setting up the finale. Right. Those episodes are just kind of fine. Um, it's just like, it's, it's all set up and this one has so much meat to it. And a lot of it is the performance of like, Den and uh, Tamara Morris. Den's not an actor. <laughs> Pablo, um, Pablo Hidalgo. Wow. <laughs> it's late. Um, 
Pedro Pascal. There we go. I was like, what's his name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, need, I feel like I need. Joke. I feel like I need to tell Pablo that he just got an upgrade and he's now the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but like Peter Pascal and Tamora Morrison and Ming-Na Wen, like they all had these like very nuanced, subtle performances. Um, Grogu is great. Um, we didn't even mention my very hot comms officer, Katie O'Brien, who I just love every time she's on screen and I'm fully in love with her and she's my type. Um, but yeah, so I give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. We're not doing feedback this week because we have guests, and uh, we will get back to that next week. So, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on this roundtable. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So much fun. And last but certainly not least, hey, let's see. uh, I haven't put Maggie on the spot. Maggie, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Maggie of the Town. I have a link to you in my bio to all of my various pursuits where you can find me there. Hannah? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Beskar underscore Kyber 15. I'm not as active as I have been in the past, but if you shoot me a DM or tag me, I am more than happy to yell about Bonnick and any other random interests I may have. And if I can also say, please check out both Followers of the Force and um, <gasps> my brain has lover. Starbucks lovers. Thank you. I was going to say lover of Starbucks. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not right. Lover of Starbucks. <laughs> Sorry. I Hello, mean, pumpkin ladies, spice, pumpkin spice did come back today. So I am now a lover of Starbucks once more. <laughs> and I just people- picture this like kind of kind of fat, dumpy guy that's in there and like, Hello, I'm the lover of Starbucks. Ladies, come sit at my court. Court? <laughs> Arzu, please get that image out of my head. Where can people okay. find you? <laughs> Best place to find me is Twitter. I'm at Arzu Amin. Um, anything I'm doing, Waffle, Collider, Space Waffles, it's all in my bio with links to those Twitter accounts. So, yeah. So, that's the best place to find me. Hey, Chris. We know the spiel. Where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com which is a website that holds all our podcasts in a big bundle. You can go there and uh, check out any individual podcasts and sign up for them, or you can sign up for our feed and get all of them. And if you if you want to know what's coming up and coming out, you can uh, go to Facebook, and we got the Two True Freaks podcast page there. Tell you what's, what's happening and what shows are coming out on a day-to-day basis. And then we have the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is... Yeah, just sort of our hangout space. That's also on Facebook. And, God. If you gotta, if you gotta do it, if you're one of those people who does it and you, you do it, you can go to Twitter and there's two true freaks on Twitter too, run by the very, the, the brave and ingenious Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Gene. The song is a thing. It's fine. Just go over it. It's his theme song. <laughs> and that's that's about it for me where can they find you hope you can find me at jguys and jedi on twitter i run our twitter account you can also find me at hope Monax. and if you go there you'll find all my cool things like when i hang out with all these lovely people over at the geeky waffle um you can find all of our stuff there and i'm so happy to announce i can finally say it now i'm officially a contributor for dark side of the force Ooh. i'm so excited <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, we had Meg on our show like two weeks ago, and she was like, yeah, we're always looking for writers. And it kind of dawned on me. I was like, that could be me. 
I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I write things. I write, I can do things. And so after we recorded with Meg two weeks ago, I reached out to her and I was like, how do I do this process? And she was like, oh my God, let's go. (laughs) And she got me through it and I now officially work for them. So I'm officially a paid writer for Star Wars. We're all very proud of you. Yeah, you are. Yes. All very proud of you for two true freaks, Hope. Thank you, thank you. So, oh shit, I didn't pull up the next week's episode. Is it the Believier? The the Believier, the Believier. The Believier. I believe you're messing up the name of the title. (gasps) Not Justin Bieber. The Believier. Oh my gosh, now the the Bieber. Chris, we will never remember, but we must have our song of the episode next week being a Justin Bieber song. I will never remember that though. Um, (laughs) Well. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, I actually thought we would talk more about penises, so I'm slightly disappointed, but it's uh, fine. You said pointed. I am pointed. <laughs> but You were hoping to have a pointed discussion about penises. I almost talked about when Arcee was this, like, you know, if he has two hands pinning down um, Finnick, like, what if there's a third hand? And I was like, well, that's why he's called Tripod. <laughs> Because it's his penis holding him up. Um, oh, whoa. Anyway, come back next week and hear us talk about the Believer. <laughs> <laughs> bye, everybody. Everyone say bye. 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 Time for some cold cold shower for hope. Where's that water bottle that we spritz you out of? Yeah, spritz yourself. <laughs> Spritzer, spritz thyself. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.